Hi, Miss Lindsay. Look, there's Jeff. We're getting Chinese food because Jace finished applying to all the schools he wants to apply to. So it's a good time. And we're having great father-daughter time. And she scrolls on Facebook. Say hi to Lindsay. Hi, Lindsay. <laughs> he misses you laughing at his jokes. Because we don't laugh at his jokes as hard as you laugh at his jokes. That's true. <laughs> but we're waiting for our Chinese food. Yeah, we know you're bored, Jeff. I'm Marco Poloing other people because you're not paying attention. But love you and hope the kids are well. All right, so welcome to Parent University. Thought we'd start with a little video of a recent fail of mine right there. You saw I was with my 21-year-old daughter getting Chinese food takeout. We were waiting. We were the only ones in the restaurant. There was no one there. Great time for me to connect with my daughter that I never get to spend time with. And what was I doing? It's totally on Facebook. Something stupid. Was totally not engaged. I was not... Uh, that was just a bad parent moment, wasn't it? I really kind of blew it there. Um, so, just to encourage you, remember where it's a batting average that we're going after. It's not, you're not going to hit a home run every time. I don't think I even got on base uh, in that date, that opportunity that I had. Um, well, let me, let me pray and we'll just jump into today's uh, lessons and start, start going through stuff. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for uh, each of these parents, thank you for the opportunity to, uh, Lord, to raise kids and, and the challenging years that the teen years can be. So as we discuss foundations, uh, ending our series and uh, really just kind of getting some practical things we can apply um, this week, Lord, we ask for your guidance that you would teach us by your word and your spirit. Help us to connect with other uh, parents as well while we're here. And uh, we just thank you for Sunday that we can come and worship together today as well. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, several years ago, I um, had a situation at a church I was working at. got a phone call late at night. Um, there was a student who had run away from home. And he'd been gone like a day or two. Parents were terrified, didn't know what was going on. Uh, where was where was their son? They didn't know where he was. He'd gone to, you know, packed up some things and got, things had gotten so bad between him and his parents that he took off. And uh, we had a, Kimmy and I were renting a couple of rooms in our house. We had a 20, 20 year old guy living with us named Bill, who's still a great friend of ours. And he, he had a relationship with this guy. This student was a fringe kid in the, uh, in the youth ministry. And Bill was a friend. And so I said, hey, can you text him? Can you find out where he is? What's going on? And so about midnight, Bill and I went out to a strip mall um, at the edge of, you know, the suburbs that was closed down. And uh, this student comes out of the woods where he was sleeping. um, And we sat at a closed Starbucks outside at some tables, you know, and talked. And spent some time talking to him, and by morning he had talked to his parents and he was home, right? Um, These are the times when having other people come alongside you in parenting is a good thing, right? It's good for us to do this together. We need community uh, as we parent our teens, and that's important. We need someone else to disciple 
and mentor them, right? We've talked about this, that you are always discipling your kids. You are the chief discipler. Last week, if you weren't here, you listened to the podcast. We talked about the fact that you are a billboard for Christianity and other things, right? In your house, you're a big billboard for something going on in your house. And part of what we're doing all the time is investing in our kids, right? When they walk along the road, when they rise up, you know, again, all of those things that we talked about the last few weeks is we're constantly investing in our children. And so there are times, though, where we want to have someone else come alongside them. Um, so when our kids are little, we, they're, they're kind of just following along with our faith, right? And then there comes a point in time when they're looking at their parents and they're saying, hey, is this real? You can go ahead and hit that, Mark. So, so you have this relationship, right, where... The, our kids are growing up and they're, they're looking at us and they're looking at our faith and they're saying, I, is this the truth? Like, I, I've been hearing all this, but again, they have to own it for themselves. And then sometimes, like in the story I just shared, things can start to get really hard between you and your kids, right? Sometimes communication starts to break down and things can get more and more difficult. And this is where uh, the youth worker comes in, okay? I'm giving you a little bit about our philosophy of ministry with, with student ministry, why you have someone disciple your kids, or if, if, you're, if your kids are not a part of a student ministry, maybe you find a mentor for them, someone who you, you, you love the way they follow after Jesus, and you want your kids to see that example. Because we're inconsistent in our faith, right? We, we are totally inconsistent. We mess up all the time, just like the video I showed, right, where I, I fail. But you know what? Uh, I have Emilio on my staff, or Tegan, and their faith looks a little bit different than mine, or a lot different in certain ways. And their inconsistencies are different than my inconsistencies. And they're showing them, my kids, they're showing them, hey, wait a second, you have a relationship with God. My parents have a relationship with God. Right now, I may or may not like my parents. Uh, I may or may not believe that I believe what they believe. But then I can look at you, and you believe the same thing. Your faith works itself out a little differently than mine. But you're saying the same things. It's the same God. It's the same salvation. It's the same relationship. So maybe this is true. See, that's what they're trying to figure out. Is this something that I want to believe? And that's why having someone else come alongside you when it comes to raising our kids and either discipling or mentoring them can be so important. And it's, it's not a parent and it's not a peer. And that's, that's the thing. You remember we talked about that intimacy authority scale most of us as parents were way on the authority side and a youth worker can come in and they don't have all the baggage that we have. They don't have all the time we have. They haven't been that authority figure for their whole life. And they come in and actually treat our kids like people. Okay. Which is nice because we treat our kids like children and they're not really children anymore, but they're not adults. And so it's hard because sometimes we don't know how to treat them. Right. Because sometimes they act like children and sometimes they act like adults. But when an, another adult comes in, they usually treat them like people and Right away, they don't have the baggage, and so this communication can go easier. There's a statistic. Dave McNeely, a good friend of mine, used to be on staff here. He, he told me this, and I don't have the, the book it's from. I need to get it. But he said that one of the, researches, the research statistics he saw said that a child was 80% more likely to be walking with the Lord after college if one adult other than their parents invested in them. Now think about that. You read all the statistics from Barna and stuff, and they, it's the op- they say 75% or 80% of kids are walking away from the church after college. 
Well, that statistic, I don't know. I kind of want to bank on that, right? And have someone else investing in my kids. And this is one reason why, as a ministry, when you're getting older or your kids are getting older, usually, well, sometimes you're their discipleship leader. And that's great. And we do that at, at Perimeter all the way through, you know, if you go down into the early years, especially parents are usually their kids' D group leader. But at some point, we'll have a conversation and say, you know what? You might not want to be your kids' D group leader. Uh, usually around seventh or eighth grade is when we find that that's a good time to make a transition out of leading your own kids' group. Now, you can, and I've seen it happen, there's been a few groups where their parents have led all the way through high school. It can work. I'm not saying it, it can't. But if it does work, you need to keep in mind, you're going to be on that authority side the whole way through high school. Does that make sense? Um, your kids aren't going to come in and go, hey, let's just, we really need, I got my D group here. This is safe space. Let's talk about porn. Uh, if your dad is leading the group, they're probably not going to do that. They might, if they would, that's amazing that, that you could have that. But a lot of times the very people they want to talk about at youth group sometimes are what's going on with their parents. Uh, Cammie, uh, my daughter Tirza, when she was in eighth grade, asked Cammie to lead her group and her friends wanted Cammie to lead. And Cammie said, I just don't think that's a good idea. And Tirza said, no, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. And, and Cammie prayed about it and they talked about it and she started leading the group. And about halfway through the year, uh, Tirza was like, yeah, you're right. You probably shouldn't have led the group because, because everybody else was having conflict with their parents and Cammie and Tirza were having some conflict too. And then she couldn't really talk about it at group, you know, uh, it just didn't work out. And so, so again, having someone else who's reflecting the truth of the gospel into the lives of your kids is important, especially through the teen years and the, in college as well. You see that, especially a lot of college pastors and, and RUF and CO workers invest in, in the lives of our kids as well. Also, sometimes they hear the truth better from someone other than us. It's super frustrating. But they do. I can't tell you the number of times Jace will come home and say, you know, Tegan said this, and, and wow, it's just so amazing. What a beautiful truth. And I'm like, I've said that to you like 50 times. And Tegan says it once. It's just because he has a cool accent. And, uh, and, um, and you get it, and it nails, you know, right into your heart. And, but, but I have to go, well, then praise the Lord for Tegan, you know, that he's spending time with my son and that he is uh, speaking into his life. So we need someone to come alongside of us. We need it for um, someone else investing in our kids. But we also need it because we need the support. We also need to enter into this parenting with other people uh, supporting us. Because let's face it, in the teen years, we're very isolated. Um, or you can be. You can spend all your time managing your kids' schedules like we talked about. Hey, we're, we're, what's going on today? You know, the breakfast table conversation can be, well, I got to pick so-and-so up at drama. I got to take so-and-so to the baseball practice. We have a dentist appointment here. Who's going to the orthodontist? You know, and, and it's a miracle we don't leave our kids' places accidentally, right? And we do. Well, we do. I don't know if you do. We do that sometimes, too. Oh, we just got a call. We forgot, you know, this child somewhere. Um, because it's so busy and we're running around. And again, we talked about work is so busy at this stage in life and, and all of the different pressures that it's, it's isolating. We can end up at the end of the teen years and go, I don't have any friends because I've just been running my kids around all this time and I've lost all my relationships. And that can be very easy to do if we're not intentional about having people come alongside of us. Ecclesiastes 4 says this, um, 
Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie down together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Right? This is a, well, you know, many of you are probably familiar with this passage. This wisdom that we have about the fact that we need each other in parenting as well. Um, we need to be able to bounce ideas off each other. We need somebody in the, in the foxhole with us fighting. Sometimes just when things are hard, who we can just vent to and say, this is difficult, right? We need that as well. And so um, it's so important that we engage in relationships during this season of life. Um, so, you know, one of the things you can do this week is maybe spend some time talking uh, with your spouse and say, hey, who are our people in the foxhole with us during this stage of life? Who can we rely on? Who can we lean into? And then if we don't have anybody, who do we like that has kids uh, that we might want to hang out with and maybe set up a a, a dinner because you probably have to be two months down the road before you can actually get with them, right? And go ahead and put it on the calendar and spend some time getting with somebody so that you're not uh, alone during this season. And then... One of the things to think through as well is what, is, what are the priorities um, in seeking out Christian community in your life? How much of a priority is church for you? Um, there's so many things competing with our time and, and time with our kids. So how much are we making the church community a priority? Okay. Um, there's this awesome, there was an awesome spoof in the Babylon Bee. I don't know if you're aware of that. Um, and uh, I'm going to read it real quick. It's about just three paragraphs long. So this is a, a story from Fullerton, California. Local father Trevor Michelson, 48, and his wife Carrie, 45, are reeling after discovering that after 12 years of steadily taking their daughter Janie to church every Sunday, they didn't have a pressing sporting commitment, which was at least once every three months, she no longer demonstrated the strong quarterly commitment to the faith that they raised her with. And now she is college-aged. Trevor Michelson was simply stunned at the revelation. I just don't understand it. Almost every single time there was a rained-out game or a break between school and club team seasons, we had Janie at church. It was at least once per quarter. And aside from that one tournament in 2011, we never missed an Easter. It was obviously a priority in our family. I just don't get where her spiritual apathy is coming from. I can't tell you how often we prayed the prayer of Jabez on the way to the game, added Janie's mother. You know, the more I think about it, the more this illustrates how the church just keeps failing this generation, lamented Trevor, citing a recent Google study by Barna or someone. The Michelsons further noted plans to have a chat with the pastor of their church after their younger son's Robert's soccer season calmed down a bit. You know, that spoof is funny because it's very true. It hits a little close to home. Um, We can put so many things. And again, if you are a billboard, remember I said you're a billboard for something. We can be saying God is a priority, church is a priority. But if our actions are not showing that Christian community is a real value to us, then are our kids really catching what we're teaching, right? That is is huge. And... um, it's something that can happen, and it's difficult because if we prioritize a- academics or 
drama or athletics. Um, you know, our kids are taking different cues from us, but that just continues to reinforce that our, our relationship with Christ is just a sauce on the side, right? Rather than something that permeates all of our life. And the thing is, um, you don't get benched for missing youth group, right? It's a lot easier to make church less of a priority. It's a lot easier. And then when our kids don't have that community, we go, wow, why, how come our kids don't, you know, really want to go to church or they don't have a lot of friends there or whatever? Well, if we didn't prioritize it. That's easy to happen. Um, Matthew 10 says this, whoever loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves his son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Whoever finds his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Um, a lot of the choices that we make and the things we are to be countercultural, right, in the way that we live out our lives and not have the same values as the rest of the world around us. We're going to talk a lot more about that. We want to have some time for discussion. You guys have been listening long enough here, so we're going to put up some, some questions for you to circle up a little bit and talk about. So here the questions are, what kind of community or support do you have in your parenting? Do you feel isolated or connected right now? Um, when was the last time you engaged your kids about culture? What were you watching or listening to? What caused that discussion to happen for you? <clears throat> and then what sacrifices do you make and see others make because of God's word in your life right now? So those are three. You don't have to cover all three. You might spend the whole time on one. That's fine. But just spend a little bit of time talking to each other right now. I do want to acknowledge, you know, based on what we were just talking about, this idea that if you're going to prioritize church and church community, that there's a cost, right? Let's acknowledge there is a cost. Is it possible if church is your highest priority, instead of sports, your kid may not start or may not make the team? That is true. Is it possible that their grades might be less uh, at the end of high school because church was a higher priority than academics? Yes, that is possible. Um, and this is where our faith has to grow Right When we're saying, you know, what was the highest priority here? And do we trust God with our kids' future in this area, whether it's sports or academics or whatever, because we put our relationship with Christ and his church ahead of those things? Okay, that's a hard truth, but it's something that we do need to be discussing regularly. Um, so as, as we get into this, what are some practical ways? We've been talking a lot about theory and, and our priorities and what should be driving us and, and what are the principles, right, that we should have going through the teen years. So now when the rubber kind of hits the road, what are some practical ways that we really can start to unpack this and, and get into it? Um, remembering that we, we've been saying that you and I can be mature and equipped followers of Christ, but if we're not intentional and we're not engaged, we can still miss the mark, right? And we can do this, again, in a formal way. You can sit your kids down and have a formal discipleship time with them, or you can just interact with culture on an everyday basis. And, and both would be ideal. But definitely us engaging with the culture as we're uh, moving through life needs to be something that we're, we're being intentional about. So how do we do this? How do we engage in culture? And one of the easiest ways to do this, honestly, is to parent with the remote control in your hand. Okay. Parenting with the remote control in your hand. And, and what, what do I mean by that? I, now, I'm 51. You and I are... I grew up in an age when you couldn't pause TV. Okay? <laughs> um, and I remember when our kids were little, before I had my first DVR, 
we, Cammie and I, we were big Survivor fans. We would, and that was a show that would come on. And we were like, oh man, Survivor's coming on. I mean, I would be threatening my children with death to get them in bed, pray, you know, can we have, Daddy, will you tuck me in? Yeah, and just doing her like a really quick, you know, really quick prayer, whatever. I got to be in front of the TV at 8.01 because Survivor is starting. And you will not, and then if they wanted to interrupt it, it was like, raw, you know, like the wrath of Dad was coming down because they're interrupting Survivor. And then I remember we got our first DVR. And my kids came in and was like, Daddy, can you tuck me in or something? And the national championship game was on for college football. And I was about to do my, you know, me monster come out about that. And then I was like, wait a second, pause. Why, yes, of course. Of course I can tuck you in. Why don't I read you an extra long story tonight? Let's spend some devotional time together. I mean, it was beautiful. I became like parent of the decade in one moment just because I could hit pause on the DVR, right? It was fantastic. Okay, so we have this power, right, at our fingertips that we can pause. We need to take advantage of that. Just this week, I have done that, uh, pausing at the middle of a TV show we were watching together or a movie, and I was like, okay, we got to pause here and talk about this. And I pause and engage. When you're in the car, you can actually either pause if, it's, if you're listening to a, uh, you know, a phone, pause it and talk about the lyrics. What is going on in this song? Let's spend some time engaging with what they're already imbibing, right? They're taking this in. And, but the problem is we can get so caught up ourselves in just enjoying a movie or whatever, right? I'm just being entertained. I'm just consuming. And I'm not thinking about it. I'm not being intentional about engaging. So pause to discuss things with them. The culture is always speaking. See, that's the problem. They'll get these Bible lessons, they'll get this stuff, and we'll go, okay, no, they're understanding what's really going on. The culture is hitting their worldview all the time. And they're taking it in, taking it in, taking it in. And we have to pause and, and fight against that worldview that they're getting through the culture. And now, in order to do this, there is a real caveat here. We actually have to be with them to do this. Okay, and that's harder today because you can be in the car listening to a song and they're listening to something totally different in the back seat. Or we can be watching TV and want to hit the pause button and we realize they're in the other room on an iPad watching a different TV show. Well, when they're doing that, we have no control over what they're taking in. The culture is always speaking to them, telling them its worldview, and we're not speaking into it at all. And if we're not careful, we can easily get into that mode where our kids are in different rooms, we're all just doing our own thing, and we're not speaking into it at all, okay? So we have to say, nope, get off that. We're all going to watch a show together. That means we have to sacrifice again. Remember our idols we talked about last week, right? My idol is I don't want to watch a childish TV show. I don't want to watch something that's PG, you know? I'd rather watch something more adult uh, and not engage. Well, know what? I, I have to sit there and watch the show that is appropriate for them because I want to speak into what's going on in culture in their life. And I have to die to myself. Die, 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 right? That's what, as a, as a parent, that's our daily mantra. We should just wake up and pray, God, today help me to die to myself. Die, 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 and just, and just remind ourselves over and over again. Okay, so what are, what are these messages? I'm just going to go through some of these. And once I point these out, okay, you guys are going to see these messages all the time in culture. Once I point these out, if you don't already see them, you're going to see them now, and it's going to drive you crazy. I'm sorry I ruined, like, half your shows. So... The first one is uh, that parents are stupid. Now, this show was one, you guys know this is Family Ties, 
Uh, this was one of the shows that I really, I, I watched the show all the time growing up. And, but if you watch, go back and watch this show now, you will see the dad gets dumber and dumber every season that goes on. It's like his IQ starts dropping like a rock. I don't know why. And who is the smartest, most adult person in this family? Alex, the son. Okay, and that's the parentification of the, the kids. They take on the parenting roles. They're the most responsible. You can see this in so many shows, especially any show that's targeted towards a teenage audience. If you watch uh, The Simpsons, for example, who is, who is the grown-up in The Simpsons? I mean, Marge is to some degree, but Lisa, Lisa is the, the one who's the most mature and the most responsible in that family, pretty much. Okay, so you'll see this all the time. I hate that, especially when my kids were younger. Any TV show they would want to watch, they'd be like, Dad, can we watch this show? I was like, well, I have to watch a couple episodes with you before I'm going to let you watch it. Yes, died to myself, died, right? Go back to that. So I would sit and watch the show with them, and if the parents were stupid, that was an automatic no to me. Like, and Disney is the worst with that. Uh, there used to be a show called Sweet Life of Zach and Cody on Disney, and it was... Oh, every adult on that show was a complete imbecile, and it just drove me up the wall. Um, Hannah Montana, believe it or not, is a show that if you go back and watch it, one thing I like about that show, though Miley's pretty much off the rails these days, but uh, she, in that show, she was like a teenage Lucille Ball, and her dad always got the best of them. I appreciated that. Her dad always was smarter and always had the wisdom to lay on them. And I was like, okay, yeah, we can watch that. Um, because, you know... That, that was important. So keep that in mind. Parents are stupid. You'll see that a lot. Uh, what is true about sexuality? You're going to see, you know, this culture is definitely speaking about sexuality all the time to your kids. What messages are they getting from that? And are we pausing and talking about this? Um, one that's really easy to go under the radar is uh, living together, right? Um, couples living together before they get married is a norm on TV shows today. Uh, I feel like when it really, with, um, it was probably Friends or one of these shows where I saw that happen all the time, and it, and it affects culture. So some stats, among ages 18 to 24, cohabitation is more prevalent than uh, married couples living together. 9% live in an unmarried, with an unmarried partner in 2018 compared to 7% with a spouse. Now, 18 to 24, most people don't get married that young anymore as well. So... That makes some sense. Uh, 15% of young adults, 25 to 34, live with an unmarried partner. <clears throat> I can't tell you how many students, even from like Watershed or from the church, grow up. And they grow up, and then we find out they're living with their, with their boyfriend or girlfriend after college. And the parents are shocked. And again, this is a message that they're getting from the culture all the time, that this is normal and normative. And so it happens even to Christian kids who grew up in the church. They're getting that message. And if we're not countering it, uh, you know, it has a lot of power. Um, sexuality, you'll see what's so crazy. And we did a whole series called Blurred Lines last year on sexuality. So you should go back and listen to those. But sexuality, the culture talks about sex as the most important thing and completely unimportant at the same time. And it's, it's kind of bizarre. So if you catch that in... And like, you know, oh, we'll sleep with somebody because it doesn't matter. It's just physical, right? And yet, then they hold it up as like the ultimate as well. So you'll see the, that juxtaposition uh, going on in shows that you're watching. Homosexuality and transgender, there's definitely a, uh, an agenda that is taking place. 
with regards to these things. Um, the show Modern Family, which is brilliantly acted, brilliantly written, very funny. Um, Cammie and I were watching a show the, uh, a few years ago, and one of the producers of that show came on, and he was really just talking about the fact that the whole point of the show Modern Family is to introduce the homosexual lifestyle so that everyone sees that it's just normal, okay? Because the producers are gay to that show, and they want everybody to say, you know what, we're just like you. Now, contrast that. It's amazing how much our change in the way we view homosexuality uh, has changed over the years. If you go back and watch the movie Philadelphia, it was in the early 90s, and um, Tom Hanks won an Academy Award for his role in Philadelphia. And go watch that film and see what his lifestyle was like. He contracts AIDS in the movie, and, you know, and compare that to the, what they show Modern Family as a gay man's lifestyle. You're going to see two very different lifestyles, okay? Um, and so I just want you to just be aware of this, that there is, there is a message that is happening. It's coming through loud and clear. It's going to be in shows, especially shows like Glee, which isn't on anymore, but there's, there's certain shows that, you know, they're definitely the agenda is very prominent. And, but it, you're going to see it a lot. And that's a good time to pause and say, hey, let's, let's talk about these things. What, what are they trying to say to you? Because honestly, it's, it's more dangerous if it's not a frontal assault, if it's more subtle. Like, again, I was watching an episode uh, for Parent You years ago when Glee was super popular. And I watched the show, and I was like, you know what was most dangerous about the show was they had a married couple, and they manipulated the situation so that you hated the guy's wife and you loved this girl that he was kind of flirting with at school, and you wanted them to have an affair so desperately. Like, you, you were like, well, his wife's horrible, so of course, like, that's manipulation. There, there's, there's something going on there where they're doing it, and it's, it's undercover. It's not just, like, right in your face. It's, it's happening subtly, and those are the ones you really want to pause and point out to your kids and say, see this, what's happening here? This is all not by accident. This is, this is by design. Um, you're going to see women and men are the same, there's an, uh, an androgynous kind of thing happening in, um, in movies, uh, especially, and this one drives me up the wall. Right now, it's super popular. So movies like Birds of Prey, which is out right now, uh, Black Widow is going to come out uh, in the spring, which I love. I love Black Widow uh, as a character. But if you watch any superhero movie or any TV show, women just kick men's butts all day long. Like, you know... Some assassin woman comes out and just tears through a group of guys. And it's fun and interesting, uh, and you're just, you know, suspending reality. But you are suspending reality. You put an MMA fighter woman up against an MMA fighter man, and she is going to get seriously hurt. Because men are stronger than women. That's the way God designed them. It's dangerous <laughs> to get in a fight with a man. Um, and it's totally unrealistic, but it is everywhere. I mean, it's been that way for probably the last 10 years You'll see it a lot now that I pointed it out. Um, Birds of Prey, they spent like hours beating up men, and it's all women cast. And I was like, okay, it's fun to watch. You know, they're superheroes, but it's pretty unrealistic. Um, authority figures like the church and the government cannot be trusted. Okay? You'll see this as a major theme in movies all the time, in TV shows. Um, Footloose is like the famous one, right? We can go back. Do you remember Footloose? The authority figure, the church, didn't like dancing. They've done a new version of it as well. Born identity, the government. Man, you can't trust the government. They're spying on you. 
they got secret, secret black ops everywhere killing everybody. You know, I mean, they make it sound like, I wish the government was half as, as uh, good at what they do in Bourne, you know. That'd be amazing <laughs> if our government was that good at anything, but they're not. So, um, it's, again, it's fiction, but, but you will see it. Point it out. Hey, you notice in the TV shows the police are always bad. You notice that the... Uh, the government is always bad, and then we, and the authority figures are always bad, and then when our kid has a problem with it at school, we're like, why are they like this? Well, maybe every show they watch, they're getting this message uh, subtly, and they're picking up on it, and then they stop trusting authority. Um, so as we, as we are parenting, we need to keep in mind a few things from last week. So we did Colossians three sixteen. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, right? Teaching and, and admonishing one another with all wisdom. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Okay, we need to think about that as the billboard of our life. Is the word dwelling richly? Do we have a high view of Scripture? Not just do we know Scripture, but do we have a high view of Scripture? Is our worldview being driven by what the Bible says? Or is our, are we reactive to what the culture is saying and taking that to the Bible? This is a big issue right now in our society. And again, our kids are being exposed to this, especially in terms of sexuality. They're taking their cues from the culture more than scripture. And if you don't believe me, if you have a teenager, ask them about it. And really, if they'll be honest with you and really tell you what they think about certain things, you might be shocked uh, that how many cues they're taking from the world in some of these matters. Um, so do we have that high view of scripture? Does it inform all of our opinions? Uh, do we have a Christian world and life view? Do we interpret what we see on TV and in music and take it as a standard back to God's word? Okay, let me give you just one example. Um, we've talked about all these other things already. The world's view of love, okay? The world's view of love and especially marriage is not a scriptural view of love and marriage, right? We view love completely as this emotional, you know, high that you fall into right we even call it that right you just you fall into love you fall out of love right and that's not the biblical picture of love if you go through the bible it's just there's not going to be you know that kind of standard is not there um the bible tells us to love your enemies no one falls into love with their enemies right love according to the scriptures is an action love is an attitude we it is something, it's not just an emotion that we're totally at the whim of. Marriage is a covenant. It's not a vehicle for our personal happiness. But in movies and TV, it is. It's a vehicle for your own self-actualization, your own happiness. And when it's not working for you, it's disposable. That is not the biblical view of love, right? Love is a commitment. It is an action. It is something that I will myself to do to love someone. And the covenant of marriage reflects the beautiful picture of Christ's love for the church, okay? So even when you're watching a syrupy rom-com with your kids, pause and point out that that's not a biblical view, right? It's not a biblical view of that. Um, and as we're doing this, as we're pausing and interpreting, we don't want to view our, our discipleship like this, okay? So often we can just think that our job is we've got this Bible knowledge in our heads, and we just want to yell it out to our kids or, you know, we're just going to keep pumping the Bible stories into them. So many of our teens at this church, and it's across the board in Christianity in the U.S., 
they know the Bible stories, especially if they grow up in Christian school or they've grown up in church and you did read them the Bible stories, they have their head is chock full of this stuff. They don't know how this equates to real life. Okay? And so if we just continue to do that, uh, they're not going to get it. What we have to do is take these Bible stories and these principles that are in Scripture and we have to interpret it through our own life, through our own brokenness, through our own mess. And as we do that, then they get it. When we say, hey, this is how this works out in my life. This is how this is real. I have to, you know, make difficult choices. Uh, we, we do things differently as a family because we're Christians. You know, because of the scripture, this is the way that I live my life. Yeah, I can't cut corners at tax time because it wouldn't be right. Um, you know, the things that I do, I, I'm constantly going back to live my life in accordance with the scripture. So are we making difficult decisions because of what the Bible says? Do we live our life according to the scripture? You know, I've seen people over the years many times give up promotions, give up uh, bigger and better things because of their commitment to their church. You know, they feel called to live in a certain place and to keep going to perimeter, for example. So they've given up promotions and stuff to go other places and to travel because they're saying, no, you know what? This is where I feel called as a community. You share, if, if that's an experience you're having, share that with your children. Hey, we make choices because of our community. We make choices because of what Scripture says. Are we valuing truth above everything else as well? Think about that. Is truth a high value in your home? Okay? Because we subtly are saying things to our kids when it's not. Like if, if here's a prime example. If you're, if you're having one of those situations where the dad's not home and the mom's like, oh, this happened, let's not tell your father. Okay? What are you doing to the idea of truth in your home? That's kind of one of those, hey, it's okay to keep things from our spouse. You know, or we're not going to talk about this to dad because we don't want him to know, you know, this happened. Okay. When you do that, you undermine, you undermine the idea of truth. Then our kids start going, okay, so wait, truth is really just situational. Um, I had a kid years ago in a, one of my youth groups, and he was just lying, lying at school, lying all the time, great Christian parents, and they were like, we don't know what's going on, he's just lying, and I met with him, and he got suspended, and he got in all this trouble, and, and then a few years later, I was having a conversation with him, and he'd grown up out of, and he wasn't, he, you know, he'd moved away from a lot of that, but we started talking about his parents, and his parents had lots of kids, they had like five kids, and he'd say, well, you know, whenever we go to a buffet or whatever, because we all look really young, my dad would say, that we were all underage so that we could get the cheap buffet. And every time we'd go to the movies, we'd say we were under 12 so we could get the kids' prices to go to the movies. And the dad's like, where is this lying coming from? <clears throat> well, it's coming from the fact that you're teaching your kids to lie if you can save $3 or $2 on a buffet. That's where it's coming from because if it's situational there, it's situational everywhere. And so truth has to be a value in our home as well, if this is going to permeate in through our lives. Um, allow your kids to catch you making difficult choices. Allow them to see you sacrificing because God calls us to a life that's countercultural. John 15 and John 17, it says this. It says, you were of one, if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. That's what we're called to. 
And in John 17, I, I have given them your word and the world has hated them because you are not of the world just as I am not of the world. We need sometimes a reminder that we're not of this world, right? And that's a hard truth, but it is a beautiful truth, right? We need to embrace that and we need to look different from the world around us and point that out to our kids when it's new. So just to summarize, you and I need community. We need somebody else to come alongside our kids. We need somebody else to come alongside us because this parenting thing is hard. We need to engage the culture around us and teaching our kids by pausing music or TV shows. The word of Christ should be driving how we live and what we teach. And then do our kids see this as a guiding principle in our lives, right? Are we living different from the world around us? Okay, so Cammie's going to come and share a little, a little bit now. Yeah. Okay. Hey, guys. Hello. So I'm Cammie Summers. I feel like I already know you all, but I'm Jeff's wife. And, um, and so all this is good. You're listening to all this. And this has been, these, what Jeff shared today is really, it is, it is a part of our family. And the whole, like, culturally pausing the movies um, in television, my kids have grown up with that, and, and my older kids have. And we're doing a terrible job right now of engaging Zane with it because we're so tired of children's TV shows. That's just reality. And so now we make Tirza sit with them and watch it, and we hope she's equipping him. I think she is because we went to see the movie Spies Like Us, Spies in, Di- Spies in Disguise after, um, over Christmas. And we came out and like, Tears was like, that movie drove me crazy. Did you get all those messages? And Zane was like, what? There were messages? And she was like, yes. Did you get this message and that message? And they were saying this and, and all these things. And I was like, yeah, what she said. What, she's doing it all for me. And he's like, oh, once you say that, I can't unsee it. <laughs> you know, he's 11. And I was like, okay, if you just raise the first two well, you can skate with the second two. <laughs> That's the lesson there. Um, in actuality today, I wanted to share with you about Alf and Lorraine. Alf and Lorraine, um, I met shortly after we moved here. We moved to Atlanta about 12 years ago, and Jeff was leading Watershed, and Alf and Lorraine had their youngest, they had four children, their youngest were twins, and they were in Watershed, and um, Jeff interacted with them at some point, and he said, oh, I really think you'd like Lorraine, y'all need to meet, and so he organized a lunch for the four of us to go to lunch, and we met at Jason's Deli in the Forum, and, and I can remember, I had just had Zane, so he was just a baby, and I can remember coming to the lunch and sitting and listening to Jeff talk about their kids and them talk about their kids, and and it was fine. <laughs> you know, I walked away, and I went, oh, they're nice people, but we just didn't have any, like, common ground. Like, we didn't have, their life stages were so different. I had a baby. They had teenagers. Their youngest were in high school. You know, it just seemed like a big divide, and then a few years later, I started working with Watershed's Discipleship, and they were coaches for discipleship. And so I interacted with them a little bit more and got to know that Alf was raised on the mission field in Africa, and Lorraine had some of the same struggles I had with extended family. And so, you know, regularly saw them, regularly engaged with them, and really found out that I liked them. Um, But as that season came to a close, 
we could easily have said goodbye to one another. We didn't see each other naturally. We live in Duluth and they lived in Peachtree Corners. Our kids were so different in age. My kids were at PCS and my life was full of their demands. And her kids were at college and they were off. And so our relationship might have fallen by the wayside. But Lorraine asked me, she said, hey, do you want to do a Bible study together? And I was like, yeah, I'm really busy. <laughs> you know, I've got a lot going on, and I just don't even know if I'd have time for it. And she goes, well, I'll come to your house. And I was like, okay, that'd be great. So she did, and she would come, and Zane was just a baby, and she'd always come with, like, a little box of cereal for him, which would give us, you know, time where he's sitting eating the cereal and we talk. And it was such a sweet time of studying God's word together and praying for each other. And she totally called me out on some areas I needed to get, grow stronger in. And I found in Lorraine a real gospel friend with whom I could share my heart. Since then, our relationship has grown and she prays for me and she prays for my family and she shares her life with me. Um, she's in a different season of life than I am. And so she tells me what's coming and she loves and accepts me even when my crazy shows I know that she's not going to be overwhelmed. Um, Lorraine is an encourager, and she challenges me when I want to be lazy or overwhelmed. And she tells me that they're a life after teenager. Like, this won't last forever because she's lived through it. It's because she's ahead of me. Lorraine has, Lorraine's absolutely. Of Lorraine's four kids, we've been to three of them. Well, we've been to two of their weddings. One is going to be this May, and Jeff's going to officiate. We've welcomed three babies, celebrated three babies, and it's been so sweet to know them. And Jeff had her two boys in his D group, and Lorraine mentored my daughter, and right now Alf is mentoring my son. And it's so sweet to share those joys and those tears. And why do I tell you all this? Because community doesn't grow overnight. And you can't necessarily take the first encounter as the indicator. You know, I left that lunch thinking, yeah, I got a babysitter for that. You know, I'm just being honest. Like, I didn't know that God was giving me a lifetime friend. Because I was in a season of life and I couldn't see it. Um, It takes time to find your people. And the group will probably be very few. Um, Honestly, building real community It's hard for me. It doesn't come natural. I have a poor visual memory, and so often I can't produce names when I see your face. Like, I might really know you, but I can't tell you your name. And it's not because of lack of value, but that makes me insecure in those encounters because I can't produce it. And I feel bad that I can't produce it, so it makes me want to withdraw and hide. If it had been left up to me, I probably would have let Lorraine drop into the world of acquaintances. You know, the, hey, how are you doing? Yeah, good to see you. You know, that kind of world, which is so easy for me to leave people there. Um, But she pursued me, and she loved me. And it's humbling to say, but all of the real community I have are people that have done that, including Lorraine. They are all the people that have just decided to love me. (laughs) I'm from Texas. And I think it's hard for me to realize that I need people. I want to say, I've got Jesus, I'm good, you know? And Jesus is an essential part of it. I'm not saying he's not. But 
what I've learned from Lorraine and the others who have determined to love me in spite of me (laughs) is that in them, Jesus has hands and feet. God often uses my community to show me his unconditional love, and then he loves them through me. So, Jeff already talked about the fact that raising teens can be lonely, and it's easy to lose your community with the demands of it. If you want deep Christian community, it will take time and intentionality for it to grow. And Lorraine and I now have a standing meeting. We meet once a month, and we try to get catch up and get lunch. We'll send each other a text or two. And it's not a lot of time in the busyness of life. Um, We try to meet once a quarter as couples together and have dinner. And we put it on the calendar. And yeah, we have to change the date often, many times (laughs) to get it. But she's made me a priority and I've made her a priority and we fight for it. It's not easy. Um, So in this room might be a gospel friend for you. Um, You need it. Even if you don't know you need it. He might be older than you or younger than you. She might have a child in your child's class, or she might have children a year or two behind you. But we give the time at the end of parent use so that you can talk to each other and get to know each other and pursue one another. Community will not grow just out of meeting four Sundays in a row twice a year. You know, you have to gather, get coffee. You have to look for more. So I just want to encourage you, um, and I want to encourage you to pray for each other. All of the people in this room have already, you already know two things about them. They have kids, and they love Jesus. So that's like a great beginning, right? So that's why we try to give you guys a lot of time to connect. Um, I do want to give you guys time to pray at the end. But before we do that, one of the other things, this is our last parent you that we're going to have in this spring. And we're really trying to figure out what parent you should look like, like what this community should look like ongoing. Um, We've heard back that maybe eight weeks out of the whole year isn't enough for us to connect, and we need more than that. So um, we're going to pass out a survey. Please give it to us. Um, You can leave it on the back table as you're leaving um, and fill it out because we want to We want y'all to have deeper and richer community, and we realize there are lots of obstacles to that. Um, The other thing is, is there are connect groups that are just for parenting. And we've, I've had somebody before we started was talking about how they were wanting to set up a connect group. And then somebody else talked to me about, they have a connect group of parents. So like, if you have questions about that, like call, you can call the youth office or shoot an email to Ashley Blaine, and we'll try to connect you with, with who the with what's available. So I'm just going to do a real short prayer, and then I want you all to break into groups and pray with each other. Okay? Dear God, I thank you so much for each person here, and I thank you that you are God and that you love us through your word. You love us through the preaching and teaching of your word, but you also love us through the hugs of your people. So I pray that you would help us to be brave and courageous, to ask people to coffee and to connect, and I pray that each person here would find the community you have for them, where they can be an encourager and they can be encouraged. And I pray that this time would be for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Are there any other announcements? All right, so y'all pray together and then you're dismissed. Thanks.